Coming up on Stu Does America, Adam Andrzejewski is here with a terrifying accounting of the stolen military resources now in the hands of the Taliban in Afghanistan. The Democrats are having trouble keeping their party in line. Oh, no. Kirsten Cinema is going rogue over the stupidly high spending bill. And two days is all it takes now for the news cycle to completely spin out into insanity. So let's kill two birds with one stone and do Afghanistan and COVID. Stu does America. Oh, one gigantically massive story per day is not enough. Two big stories today, Afghanistan and COVID. And instead of picking, let's just mash them all together into a delicious parfait, shall we? First, let's go to Afghanistan. And this, by the way, is a story you might be playing a role in. Not, uh, of course, that the media has noticed at all. You may have donated to the Nazarene Fund. And if you have, you're making a real difference. Of course, I could only find two headlines about it. Let me give them both to you. This is the entire account, other than the blaze, of course, uh, talking about this in the media. Glenn Beck's audience raises $22 million to rescue Christians in Afghanistan. That's from The Independent in the UK. And uh, Business Insider, I believe it was, uh, also gave us one. Glenn Beck says he's raised over $20 million in less than three days to help, quote, get persecuted Christians out of Afghanistan. Now, look, I, what, am I going to complain about some of the coverage? I mean, they, at least they're covering it. Uh, he says he did this. Well, yeah, I guess he did say that. Uh, it's true. And that's, that's where I'm going to leave it in my head. The total is now worth, uh, is now north of $26 million. $26 million. Uh, a large portion of that probably came from people just like yourself. So thank you so much for doing that. I know Glenn is uh, very excited about that as well as we hopefully are going to be saving you know, a bunch of people and they're in, uh, you know, out of God only knows what hell is going on in Afghanistan right now. So why do we need to raise $26 million? Because Joe Biden is a walking catastrophe. That's why. Let's look at where we are. And let me start with something that you may not have even noticed. This is from Rich Lowry at National Review. Quote, Joe Biden has done many things in his statements about Afghanistan over the last week. He's critiqued Afghan leaders, blamed Donald Trump, denied he, would have, he could have known uh, what would happen, and painted rosy scenarios about the situation on the ground at the Kabul airport. The one thing he's never done, though, is criticize the Taliban. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that does seem like a little ingredient that is missing when you think about it. Why aren't we criticizing the Taliban a little more? Shouldn't we be saying we don't like what they're doing right now? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm saying it. You feel like you're saying it. Why isn't our president saying it? Why isn't anyone else seemingly saying it over and over and over again? We seem to be putting the blame everywhere else other than the Taliban. Seems like maybe the people other than Joe Biden who are most responsible for this catastrophe. It's going well, though, I think, uh, because not only are we not criticizing the Taliban, they are bossing us around. They've got a red line for us, everybody. Get ready to listen to the Taliban. It's a red line, said the Taliban. (laughs) President Biden announced on the 31st of August that they would withdraw all of their military forces. So if they extend it, that means they are in extent. They are extending occupation while there is no need for that. Taliban spokesperson 
Suhail Shaheen told Sky News in Qatar's capital of Doha. Think about what I just told you for a second. Shall we? Shall we step back out of this hell cycle that we're in as things continually spiral out of control and step back and think of what I just told you? The American president is being given a red line by the Taliban. The Taliban is telling us what to do. What country do you think this is? This is the United States of America. We don't listen to your advice, your counsel, your red line. You're the freaking Taliban. If we ignore you, if you're lucky, the best outcome that's supposed to come out of this situation for the Taliban is that we ignore them while they go and have their way with God only knows how many nine-year-old girls in the freaking country. These people uh, in the Taliban are terrorists. We don't negotiate with terrorists. That's, that's old-timey talk. We do negotiate with terrorists. In fact, we give in to them. That's what we do here in the United States. Congratulations, everybody. Job freaking well done. 20 years after 9-11. Think about this. We went in there after 9-11. We destroyed them to the point where they were trying to surrender to us in November of 2001. They wanted to just give up. All they wanted was, as they, at least what they told us, was, uh, you know, amnesty. Please, please don't throw us in prison or kill us. We were like, uh, no, we're the United States of America, and you allowed a building to be blown up. In fact, a couple of them in our country, and we're not going to put up with that. Screw you. Now, we're basically begging them to... I mean, the, not only the entire Biden presidency, but thousands of American lives are held in the hands of the Taliban. Again, again, this started with thousands of American hands being held in the Taliban. We saw how careful they were with them. And now here we are once again watching this happen. It's unbelievable. Here's what they're doing to our military partners. Now, remember, there's translators. There's all sorts of people from Afghanistan who said, you know what? I don't want to be under Sharia law. I don't want to be um, a victim to the Taliban for the rest of my life. I'm going to help the Americans win this battle to help my country turn into something that anyone would ever want to visit. Right. Those people, how are they being rewarded? Well, Joe Biden's really helping them out by doing nothing for them in many ways. There have been some people who have been evacuated. Not zero, but not nearly enough. Let me give you an example of what's actually happening behind the scenes. The Taliban has decided to start governing a little bit. And they have uh, sent letters uh, to uh, people who worked with the, uh, the military in, uh, in Afghanistan. And let me give you a taste of them. It's a, it's a story in three letters. First letter, uh, Mr. Blank, we've redacted his name. As you've been previously warned by the Islamic Emirates Mujahideen to stop your servitude to the invading crusaders, and as you rejected their warnings and continued your godless servitude and provided security to your brother, a man who is not named, but he was an interpreter for the Americans and was working with the crusaders in some camps. And as you ignored the subpoena from the Islamic Emirate, we found you guilty in absentia and sent you to file, uh, uh, sent you, uh, so your file to an upper Sharia court where you shall be sentenced to death. These court decisions are final and you will not have the right to object. You chose this path for yourself and your death is eminent. God willing, of course. It's good that they think about God at that particular point. Um, I think that's the, let's see, I don't know which one you guys have next. I think these are kind of out of order uh, in my uh, in my stack here. Which one do we have next? Give me the next, uh, let's see, we have uh, Mr. again, X. 
you ignored the Emirate Mujahideen's notice and did not appear for the hearing. Your file has been transferred to the Sharia court, and if you are found guilty of providing assistance to the Western invaders of the city, and, uh, and even if you are sentenced to death, you will not have the right to object. You chose this path for yourself. They signed that one. And then you get this one here. Uh, based on a report from Mujahideen groups, you have been accused of helping the Americans. You are also accused of providing security to your brother, who has been an interpreter for the infidel crusaders. Therefore, you are hereby notified to appear for a hearing to clear your records and prove your innocence on Monday of the week uh, to the village. Uh, if you do not appear for this hearing, a default judgment will be passed upon you and you will not have the right to object. You kind of see that in a little bit of reverse order there as we presented it for some reason, but still you get the idea that it escalates relatively quickly. Missed a hearing, sentenced to death, we're gonna come kill you, you chose this path, bastard. That's kind of the way that went. Not a fun one, and yet you'd say this is going pretty poorly if you're the Americans. You'd say to yourself, wait a minute, didn't this guy know he won the election? Didn't he know he was coming into office? Didn't he know there was a May 1st, not August 31st, but May 1st deadline to get these troops out? Did he think about maybe doing something about that at any point? Did he have any plan whatsoever to go ahead with that? Well, the answer to that clearly was no. They extended it to August 31st, and now they want to extend it again. This is not going poorly. What is the last word on earth? you would use to describe what you're seeing in Afghanistan. The last one on earth I would use is competence. Yet here's Paul Krugman. At the very least, we're seeing an impressive display of sheer competence talking about Afghanistan. Talking about Afghanistan. He thinks it's being well handled. I mean, I know you can find any opinion on Twitter, but didn't this guy, like, win awards? Uh, isn't he supposed to be an authority figure? Isn't he hired by the New York freaking Times? Unbelievable. Of course, this was all well known. We knew Biden was incompetent. We knew he was a bumbling uh, moron going back years and years and years and years. He's certainly become a larger bumbling moron. But even Osama bin Laden seemed to know this, a 48-page letter written by Osama bin Laden in 2010 requested two hit squads, one for then-President Obama and one for General Petraeus. But in his letter, he had a particularly odd reasoning for stopping at those two. He said, quote, uh, this is the, from the article, giving his reasoning for attacking Obama, uh, Osama bin Laden said, Obama is the head of infid uh, infidelity? And killing him automatically will make Biden take over the presidency for the remainder of the term, as it is the norm over there. Biden is totally unprepared for that post, which will lead the U.S. into a crisis. Well, I mean, he seemed to be so dedicated to getting Joe Biden to be president, he was willing to assassinate another president. And we were like, ah, oh, we'll just vote him in. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Taliban back in control. And the guy Osama bin Laden selected to be president is now president. Yay! We really nailed this one, guys. Let me take a minute to tell you about TalibanJoeMerch.com. Yes, do you... <laughs> oh, man. Do you want a mug or t-shirt with this on the front of it? It's a Time Magazine cover. It looks like a Time Magazine cover. And it says, Person of the Year for the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, Taliban Joe. Taliban Joe Biden. He won the Person of the Year. 
Congratulations. The Taliban loves you. Now, that's just one big story, right? It's Afghanistan. How does this tie into the other big story of the day? Pfizer and, gets, and their vaccine have now full FDA approval after quite a long time. And what's odd about this is it, it was largely just a silly paperwork exercise. This was all known. We have more information about the Pfizer vaccine than almost any vaccine, drug, really anything. I know more about the Pfizer vaccine than I know about the Kardashians, and that's a lot. You probably heard about the recent controversy about an FDA approval of an Alzheimer's drug. That phase three trial in which it was approved was a total of 3,285 people. That's kind of like normal, right? I mean, you have a few thousand people, you see if there's an effect, the FDA approves it. We've given 362 million doses of these vaccines in the US with Pfizer leading the way. A lot of people who don't want to take the vaccine or don't want vaccine mandates, by the way, I'm fine if you don't want vaccine. I personally fully agree with you on the vaccine mandates thing. We should not have those. And, you know, if you, I think the vaccine's a lot better than you do if you think you don't want to get the vaccine. But that's up to you. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. Talk to your doctor, don't. You're an adult. Do what you want. Uh, one of the arguments, though, to not take the vaccine is that it was an experimental vaccine. Uh, and really, it wasn't an experimental vaccine by any normal sense of that word. Uh, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, that's an experimental vaccine. You know, it's brand new. It's, it's not even approved by the FDA. Remember, this approval process by the FDA is just a bunch of paperwork, basically. And I told hesitant people uh, that I'm uh, friendly with, you don't want this to be approved. It's not going to help you. Uh, having it be approved, it seems like a lot of people were just kind of making that argument because they're trying, you know, they, they don't like the vaccine. And that's a, you know, it's a, it's a point where there's some understandable skepticism. Why haven't they approved it if it's so great? Uh, however, it's just paperwork here. And the government is in charge of the process. So they could really get FDA approval whenever they wanted. And when they get FDA approval, you're going to get a lot more mandates. Because that was one of the reasons why they weren't mandating it in a lot of places. Uh, you know, this didn't really, if you're hesitant, you, don't, you didn't want this to happen, but making the argument constantly that it was an experimental vaccine when it doesn't, that really doesn't fit the uh, description of what it is. I don't know, I don't think it helps. But New York City uh, has responded immediately and now mandated uh, vaccines for all of their employees and they kind of had this in place before, but there was a big distinction. They basically before said, you got to have a vaccine or you got to get tested once a week. Now, I don't know how long it's been since you had a COVID test. They've changed quite a bit from the beginning. I, when I early on, I remember the first test I had. I mean, they were jamming that thing up. I, it was tickling the brain. Now, much, much easier. You can buy a test at CVS for like 20 bucks and... Um, you know, they do that. You don't have to jam it way up your nose. It takes 15 minutes. You can do it at home. This has come a long way. So having a test at work once a week is a relatively sane option for people who don't want to get the vaccine. Well, New York City's taking that away now because these have been approved. Uh, now, the military is going to require all service members to be vaccinated. This is from the Hill Pentagon to mandate COVID-19 vaccine for the entire military. Now, yes. The military is under direct control of the federal government, as we all know. There's lots of leeway to force servicemen to do stuff, really all sorts of stuff. I mean, you know, 
think of boot camp. They're forcing you to do all sorts of crazy stuff. And they already require 17 different vaccinations, including the flu vaccine, which has really been relatively optional for most people. So do they have the right to do this? Sure. Do they have other requirements that are much worse than this? <laughs> sure. But is this really the time to do it? And this is where both stories come together. You have about a third of our military who say they're either hesitant or flat out don't want the vaccine at all. Is this today really the time to introduce an intensely personal and controversial mandate into the ranks of the military? S today is the day? I mean, maybe the military should be focused on fixing the disaster that you created, Taliban Joe. I just, I mean, I understand. And I, as you know, I am, I am against vaccine mandates, but I am a fan of the vaccines. I think they're doing a good job. I did a segment on Friday about how I think some of the concerns of the vaccines are overblown. But come on, we are in the middle of a time period, a crisis where we need our military to be as united as humanly possible. And you're taking this moment to force through a vaccine mandate on one third of the military that doesn't want to take it? That is bonkers. Can you at least wait until we get our servicemen out of the place that, that is infested with Taliban? It's unfreaking believable. So let me take a minute to remind you of Taliban Joe merch. That's TalibanJoeMerch.com. So are you trying to buy or sell a home? Hopefully it's not in Afghanistan. I'm just going to tell you property prices kind of sinking right now there. But everywhere else, the market seems pretty, pretty solid. If you are selling a home, this is a time to take advantage of a hot market and you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge. And when you have someone who comes in and you say, I've had this experience um, recently, I said, like, ah, I guess we'll paint this part and we'll fix this and we'll fix this other thing. And our real estate agent said, you know, why are you going to bother with that? The, the next person's going to come in and paint it whatever colors they want anyway. I mean, people can understand if, they, you know, they're going to wind up painting it probably anyway. Why bother spending the two or $3,000 to paint X, Y, and Z rooms when you can just, you know, put it on the market and see if people buy it? And people buy it. That's what happens in a market like this. You need to have a real estate agent that understands this. You need the best one in your area that's been screened for the best results, uh, best sale prices, best negotiator when it comes to purchasing. Get more information to where to find that person, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the place you go to get the best real estate agent in your area. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, welcome back to the program. Adam Njefsky, he's CEO and founder of OpenTheBooks.com. Adam, how's it going? Great to be with you today, Stu. Thank <laughs> you for your interest in our work. I appreciate you doing this. You know, I, I, I like the idea of opening the books. I will say, though, Right now, I kind of want to forget it and keep the books closed. I don't want to know. I feel like I just, I just don't want to know all the terrible things that have happened. Can you walk us through some of the stuff that has gone on in Afghanistan and how we've apparently supplied the Taliban into one of the most uh, high, heavily armed uh, militaries in the world? Well, Stu, 
Our auditors quantified the American treasure into the Afghan security forces since 2001, and it's a stunning $83 billion. We've been very generous with Afghanistan in building the war chest of the Afghanistan forces. But as you know, the Taliban overran the country, and now they control the entire war chest, and it's absolutely stunning. Even the 2021 Congressional appropriation into the Afghan security forces was $3 billion. And at the end of the day, what did we create? What's sustainable? They ran. They ran within days of the United States leaving the region. It really is an incredible development. I think especially after spending 20 years doing this, that this is how this has ended up. You have a piece in Forbes, staggering costs, U.S. military equipment left behind in Afghanistan. You itemize everything from communications equipment, vehicles, weapons, explode, explosives, intelligence, aircraft, and you go through all of it in a lot of detail. Uh, can you give me a sense as to some of the, the crazier items on here and some of them that are the most dangerous and clearly doing damage now to people who used to be working with us in Afghanistan? So the most dangerous idea is that our hasty withdrawal, we've just given the Taliban license to become a major U.S. arms dealer for the next decade. Stu, let's walk through some high-level numbers here. We've turned over 75,000 military vehicles to the Taliban. Under U.S. law, the Taliban is classified as a terrorist organization. Those 75,000 vehicles, they're comprised of 50,000 tactical vehicles, 22,000 Humvees. An individual Humvee can cost up to $300,000 at the high end. Most of them are in the range of ninety dollars to $100,000. It's a treasure trove of Humvees. You've got nearly 1,000 mine-resistant vehicles. A mine-resistant vehicle on the high end can cost three-quarters of a million dollars. You've got armored personnel carriers, about 200 of those that are left in Afghanistan. And then let's get to the airplanes, because it gets worse when you get to the airplanes and the helicopters. There's about 208 airplanes and helicopters left. Here's the detail on just 20 airplanes. They're the uh, super attack uh, airplanes, the A-29s. Each one of those costs $21.3 million. Helicopters like the Blackhawks that are left behind cost $21 million. And this is all left under Taliban control. This is why you're depressing me. This is why I did not want to open the books. I didn't want to, and now we're opening them, and I hate it. I mean, this is so depressing because not only did this not lead to something, it's now going to make things worse for the people on the ground. I mean, we're being threatened right now at this airport with our own weapons. Well, we can't get our people out because our people, 15,000 people and maybe 50,000 Afghanis that helped us, we need to get them out of the country. So we can't, we can't go in and destroy these weapons. And let me tell you, bad actors from around the world, uh, i.e. China and Russia, they want to know our military secrets. So this is quite simply a military security nightmare. Our secrets, they're gonna be in there. They're gonna be paying off the Taliban for access to our secrets. For example, we've got PC-12 aircraft. These are reconnaissance and surveillance aircraft. They're highly specified in terms of technology. The Chinese and the Russians, they wanna know those secrets and they're gonna be in there learning our secrets and therefore America is much, un much more unsafe today than ever before. This is unbelievable. I, every single turn around the corner in this story it gets me more and more irritated. 
Uh, can you go Stu, me? I, I, I want to discuss the just the rank and file weaponry as well. Sure, yeah. I mean, please. there's a huge story here. We lost up to $200 million worth of drones back in 2017, and we didn't learn any lessons. We gave these drones to the Afghan security forces so they could defend themselves. They never used them, and then they, quote, unquote, lost them. There was an audit report written, and that audit report on the federal websites under the Biden administration has now disappeared. But you can come to OpenTheBooks.com or hit our Forbes piece, and we proactively captured that audit, and we post it online. There are 600,000 weapons that are floating around in the country of Afghanistan now, and we don't know where they are. There's 350 M4s and M16 rifles. There are 20, there are, <clears throat> there are 60,000 machine guns. There's 25,000 grenade launchers. Stu, there are 2,600 howitzers, the modern military cannon that can take down a bridge, a road. We have no idea in-country where they are. Or, or take out the runway of an airport when you're trying to evacuate thousands and thousands of people, uh, not to mention that. Um, I, I just, it's really perplexing here. Um, and it's not just this. We also spent uh, millions, $800 million by your count to encourage, to, I kid you not, to encourage the Taliban and others to respect women. Did that $800 million turn the tables and do they respect women now? This might be the largest failure of a public relations campaign in the history of the country. <laughs> so it's not only $800 million that was directly spent on the Respect Women campaign for the Taliban and other groups, but it was also about $4 billion extra dollars, Stu, about $4 billion extra dollars on other programs that incorporated the Respect Women tent campaign and tenants into their own program. So all told, we got about four or five billion dollars into this Respect Women program and it's hashtag failure across the board. Hmm. Uh, you know, let me let me step back for a minute and try to put the best possible spin on this. This is obviously a failure because of the way this withdrawal occurred. I mean, we could have withdrawn with a lot of this equipment if we were gonna give the country up and maybe at least minimize the damage here. And so a lot of this has to do with just the disastrous way this has occurred at the end. But like, there's an idea that going into war is going to be an inefficient process. I mean, I always make the point that anything the federal government is going to be in control of, you have to expect inefficiency and anything that you want them to do, you have to be able to essentially withstand some inefficiency. You have to understand that there's going to be waste. And at some level, the military effort, you, know, you think of go back to September 11th and put yourself in that mindset. We were, I was pretty much okay being a little inefficient with our spending if this was going to come to a positive outcome. Is this something we should look at it like, should we just look at this and say, every one of these overseas uh, adventures winds up ending this same way and this is just a reason to just never do them. Well, Stu, that was the trade, right? We were, we were um, sold on the concept, and maybe it was successful, that we went to Afghanistan to fight them there so we wouldn't have to fight them on the home turf. Right. But at the end of the day, we have to ask what government program is running well. So even in Afghanistan, we spent $10 billion on an anti-narcotics campaign. It was... Again, no measurable results. Even the UN had to concede, and they called Afghanistan a narco state. So, I mean, I don't know at the end of the day what was sustainable. What we built in Afghanistan, it looks like nothing was sustainable after 
about a trillion dollars of American treasure. You know, I have to say, I think if this is ever going to happen again, which I really don't want it to, but I mean, I, you know, I'm not, not an isolationist. I understand that sometimes we're going to be in the middle of these bad situations. Uh, but it's almost as if we should have a way, like, for example, drones. We, they should not be able to operate if we don't want them to operate. If we're going to give drones to the Afghanistan government and they are going to be in the hand of their military and, we, and their country gets taken over, we should have a disable button. I mean, these things, I mean, I really think we need to start thinking about ways to make sure that if something like this does occur again, the other side can't just grab control of these things and use them against us. I mean, just think of the advantage that we've had in these war, uh, wartime areas with just night vision goggles. I mean, you go through this in the piece. They have tons of these things now and are able to compete with uh, any military that happens to be there. Not to mention regular everyday citizens, women, uh, children alike in in night vision context. I mean, that's an incredible advantage at wartime. Just the night vision gear. We quantified 66,000 pieces of night vision. It could be 80 to 100 million dollars worth of American cost into the night vision devices, sophisticated devices, thermal devices, devices that could be put on sniper rifles and 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 vastly upgrade the capabilities of the Taliban shooters. Look, this is a Taliban terrorist gun show that's not going to end anytime soon because the Biden administration orchestrated such an unorganized and hasty withdrawal. It's hard to imagine it going worse, but I guess I just have to stay tuned to the news tomorrow because every single day I say that it seems to get worse the next day. Adam Andrzejewski, CEO and founder of Open the Books. He's got a piece on Forbes, staggering costs, U.S. military equipment left behind in Afghanistan. Uh, also, real clear policy has failure. U.S. spent $800 million to encourage the Taliban and others to respect women. OpenTheBooks.com has all the stuff up there and you can go through it and see. I mean, you know, we're talking 599,690 weapons that we've basically just donated to the Taliban. That is the world we live in. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you, Stu. Do you remember when a billion dollars sounded like a lot of money? Or uh, $787 billion? That was one of the, was that the recovery plan? Or was something in the Obama era? I think it was the recovery plan in the Obama era. And then there was the $900 billion Obamacare bill, which, of course, was much more than that. But still, they actually went to incredible lengths to make sure both of those bills were under $1 trillion because they believed it was completely against the American people's wishes. That The trillion-dollar number was, a, was above and beyond. Like they, It was beyond the pale, basically. That has changed quite a bit, as you may have noticed over the past couple of years. Obviously, through the COVID era, there was a lot of tease at the beginning of these bills. And then uh, we just have this $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, bipartisan, that is in the middle of going through. And then you have the other side, which is this new fancy-dancy $3.5 trillion spending bill that the Democrats want to push through. Now, to rewind and remind you, if you don't follow this crap and don't let it dominate your life, basically there's this thing um, uh, that lets you get, I don't go through all the details, but basically it lets you get to 50 votes instead of having to get 60. Okay, it's called reconciliation. The concept theoretically would be something you might have even supported at one point, which was, hey, maybe, you know, all these bills get blocked all the time. 
uh, with their, you know, 60 with the 60 vote in the filibuster. So what if once a year you can pass a bill that uh, you only get 50, you only need to get 50 votes for with the one thing, the only thing you got to do is make sure it doesn't add to the deficit. It needs to be something that's reducing the deficit. Well, you're going to be shocked to hear that that has not held up all that well. And so they have this $3.5 trillion spending bill, and they're acting as if it's going to reduce the deficit. I think we all know that's not true. I think everyone knows that's not true. However, they're going to try to do it anyway. Now, what's interesting about this today, the, this hasn't passed yet. It's still in this stage. And the hard thing about it for Democrats is you have 50 senators in the Senate that are Democrat. You need all of them. Every single one of them, no exceptions. You can get to a 50-50 split if you can get uh, 50 votes. And then you have Kamala Harris step in and be the deciding vote. So you'd still be able to get something through. Okay, so that's the kind of the setting the stage. The two people that most people talk about on the Democratic side that are wavering or questionable on a bill this size would be Joe Manchin, uh, the West Virginia Democrat, and Kirsten Sinema from Arizona. Now, I will say Sinema... It would not have been my pick for this person. There were some people saying that she was a moderate and she had some moderate, uh, you know, votes and, and, and her voting record was not particularly crazy. However, when you looked back at her history before she was serving her, she really had some real, real left wing beliefs at one point. She claims basically to have shed them. And that's why she got elected in a in a, uh, you know, a purple state. Well, uh, she says she is absolutely not going to back a $3.5 trillion spending bill. She says, nope, not happening. Manchin is also saying probably not going to happen. Now, there's two ways to look at this. You could say, look at it the way I just described. Kirsten Cinema, a moderate Democrat. At least there's a couple of them standing up and saying, okay, look, I'll spend trillions of dollars, but not $3.5 trillion. That's too much. You could look at it that way. You could also very easily look at it and say, this is a little, it'd be a little more cynical and look at it this way. Bernie Sanders comes out and proposes $3.5 trillion. Then you get the moderates to step up and say, we will absolutely, that's too much money. I can't believe it. No way. I only want to spend $2.76 trillion. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, what a savings. $2.76 trillion is like $0. It's a little bit of Overton window thing going on here. And if they step up and cut out some of the spending and act as if $2.7 trillion is this incredible win for the hardcore budget hawk, you're going to know this is kind of a, a little bit of a stagecraft here. I think that's where we're going. I think that's part of this, at least. Though I will say, Cinema has step, stepped up a couple of times on this stuff. And she's been a little bit better than I, I would have thought she would have been as a senator. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how this holds on, and, uh, and we'll watch it for you. Uh, let me give you this, though, in case you were worried about the, you know, there's a lot of problems out there, okay? A lot of problems, a lot of problems that people need solved. And one of the big problems we need to make sure gets solved, and I think we can implement this here as well, is apparently the police are being very mean to L the LGBTQQ2IA plus community. Whatever that community is, that whole community, all the letters, okay? Not they're not being nice, apparently, to them, and they need to smooth over that relationship. Here is what um, what they're doing overseas right now. Uh, they have decided to put rainbows on the police cars because um, if they put rainbows on the police cars, 
then that will give confidence to the LGBTQIA2 plus community. So I don't know. Uh, let me know in the comments below if you happen to be in the LGBTQIA2 plus community whether this makes you feel better about the police. I think rainbows on everything makes you feel better. I mean, look at what it did for Lucky Charms. Back in a second. Do you like a great snack during the day, but you'd rather not pack on like 50 pounds every day like I do? Uh, Bill Bar is here to save the day because they have great flavors and they're actually good for you. We're not talking about the protein bars you've lived with your entire life, the ones that are like, seem like they just pulled a cardboard box out and sprinkled some sugar on top. That's not what these are. These are delicious mint brownie, coconut, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and so many more. And if you can't pick a flavor, uh, I think they have nine total flavors, their mix box will give you nine flavors, two of each. Try them all, then you can buy whatever you want. Built Bars have to 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar, only four to five net carbs if you happen to be on one of those, you know, paleo or keto or whatever those diets are. You get all that stuff, get it, uh, all the good stuff for you without all the junk of a candy bar. Built.com is the place to go to get it. B-U-I-L-T, built.com. Use the promo code STU15 to get 15% off your first order. The promo code is STU15 for 15% off right now at built.com. It's built.com. Uh, I gotta say, this story freaking sucks in a big way. Uh, we talked about this a week or so ago. Phil Valentine, a talk show host in Nashville, Tennessee, really kind of a legendary guy in Nashville, uh, wound up having a big syndicated show for many years, uh, big conservative talk show host. Uh, he uh, was uh, talking about COVID, as you would, uh, on, a, on a conservative talk show. Obviously, he was against mandates and things like that. Well, he wound up catching uh, COVID and looked like he was going to be out for just a couple of days. Things got worse and worse and worse. Went into the hospital, went to ICU. Sort of famously, um, in the media at least, no one really talked about it when it happened uh, because they don't, I mean, they don't care at all, frankly, if uh, someone passes away from COVID, especially if they're a conservative. But uh, Phil had particularly spoken out about COVID. And then uh, when he was in the hospital, uh, released a statement basically saying, look, I wish I was never an anti-vax guy, but I wish I was a little more, more proactive recommending the vaccine. And obviously I wish I got it. Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, over the weekend, he passed away. Now, this is a guy who's 61 years old uh, and really, you know, still in the prime of his career and a, a really big host in Nashville. And a really sad story. And it's really infuriating to see the way that the media is trying to uh, to uh, to make it to use it for their own purposes. Look, this is a guy with a family. Uh, you know, they keep saying like, well, we want people to get the vaccines. And yet they'd rather have this talking point about a guy who was skeptical initially and came around to thinking that it was a good idea. They'd rather have the talking point. They'd rather have the idea that they can call you or they can call uh, conservatives, uh, you know, uh, anti-science baboons rather than uh, just feeling for, uh, you know, a family who's in need right now. Uh, and a really tough situation. So uh, it really sucks. And, and, and Phil was uh, a guy who was really active in the Tea Party back in the day. He wrote best-selling books. He did documentaries as well. You probably saw him on Fox News 100 million times. Uh, so a really sad story. Phil Valentine dead at 61. It really sucks. Now, part of the reason why conservatives, I think, reflexively 
are pushed back against this stuff is because of the way they hear about it. It's, it's always from really annoying people like Sean Penn. Sean Penn uh, left his movie. And, you know, it's funny because I've left a lot of his movies, too. When I've gone to the theater mistakenly, Sean Penn's in it and I have to walk out. So I've left his movies, too. But he went to he was shooting a movie and he decided he was no longer going to do this movie because he wanted everyone to be vaccinated on set. Then he said he wants everyone to go who's going to the movie to be vaccinated. And he believes it should be mandatory. If you're getting preached at by a guy who not only is a completely overrated actor, let's be honest about that, uh, has had all sorts of uh, terrible things, including beating women. Um, you may remember his uh, well, best known beating of Madonna from back in the day. Uh, I'm not going to take any advice from him <laughs> ever. <laughs> and we realize that a lot of this gets cultural instead of hearing, uh, you know, trying to go through this and, and the average person can't. Just, you know, it's not going to sit around and decipher vaccine studies all day. And you, what, who are you hearing good things about the vaccine from? Oh, of Sean Penn. Well, who the hell is going to trust that? As I say over and over again, I'm not your mom. I just look like her. It's okay. She's very beautiful. But I will say, you know, go talk to your doctor about it. You know, your doctor knows your actual personal health. They know the things that have worked for you in the past. They know the things that have disagreed with you in the past. Go ask your doctor next time you're in there whether they think the vaccine is right for you. Check it that way. Don't listen to some, you know, dope uh, actor or Anthony Fauci or anybody else. Uh, go go talk to your doctor. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, here is, uh, by the way, let me play you someone now who's going to recommend the uh, vaccine. But I think uh, less uh, really about the vaccine and more about cracking down on social media. Too much of this going around. This is from the Biden administration, the Surgeon General. So you've issued this warning, certainly, about misinformation. What do you make of this news? Well, I think it reinforces what we've known for a long time, which is that there is a lot of misinformation circulating on these sites. And look, I, I will uh, you know, readily say that the sites have recognized that this is a challenge, and they've stepped up to do some things to reduce the spread of misinformation, and I credit them for that. But it's not nearly enough. Because there is still a tremendous amount of misinformation circulating. There are people who are super spreaders of misinformation who are continuing to put out uh, inaccurate information online. And there are algorithms still which continue to serve up more and more misinformation to people who encounter it the first time. These are things that companies can and must change. And I think they have a moral responsibility to do so quickly and transparently. Be a lot easier for them to do it if you didn't change what was and what was not misinformation every two weeks. Back in a second. We're only a few hours away from Andrew Cuomo leaving office tomorrow, a special show to celebrate that moment. Remember, Andrew Cuomo is awful dot com. Uh, it's a place to go to get your Andrew Cuomo is awful gear. We're going to have Janice Dean on the show. It's going to be a great one. Do not miss it. Only one day away. I can't wait. All right. So before we go. Here's what happened. Police see a dead body. And they decide they're going to go out there. The police and firefighters go out to this middle of this, uh, you know, river and they see a dead body laying in the middle of the river. Now, I don't know how often this happens in your neighborhood. I didn't know it was that common, but they go out there. They got to get rid of this dead body. We have the video of what happens. They walk out uh, to the dead body in the middle of the sandbar and they reach over to try to push them to safety. And all of a sudden um, the dead body sits up and then starts moving. <laughs> what? Just walks away. Wasn't a dead body, just a guy taking a nap in the middle of the river. 
which is totally common and normal. And if you're doing it right now, thank you so much for listening. Watch those earbuds. They don't agree with water.